Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I've been uh, putting together where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you some of my thoughts and takes and perspectives and other people's perspectives about what's going on in the stock market. The goal here is hopefully you'll be able to take some nuggets of information, some insights and some perspectives with you and bring them back to your own personal investing situation and hopefully will enable you to make um, better and more successful investment decisions. My name is Amin Reina and I am an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And what I do as an investment coach is I ultimately I'm trying to helping I try to help people uh, who want to become more financially independent. The problem is uh, in order to become financially independent, a lot of times that road involves investing in stocks. And for a lot of people, when they think about investing in stocks, they get intimidated, they feel frustrated and confused by the whole process. Um, the type of people I've worked with, I work with people who are new to investing but just don't know where to start. And, or I've, I've worked with people who have been investing for a long time and are pretty experienced at investing but just don't seem to be making any traction with their, with their portfolios. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people, I engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and achieve it with confidence. So today is decision day. This is the episode. This is the episode for those of you who've, uh, who are new to my podcast. Um, every periodically, I like to do an episode where I share with you um, my personal investment decisions, where I share with you my thought process about how I go about making decisions. And I feel it's really important for me to kind of be open and transparent about how I make decisions because um, as somebody who teaches people how to make investment decisions, how to evaluate stocks um, and ETFs, uh, you know, it's, I really believe it's one thing to teach something or talk about it. It's another thing to, to model the behavior. Um, it's another thing to walk the talk. So I, the, the core of, of what I do, of what my practice is, is, uh, is, is about walking the talk, um, being, practicing what I teach. And so every month I like to, I basically, I blog about it on my website, sage, sageinvestors.ca. Um, and as I talk about it here on, on, uh, on Stock Talk, um, the decisions that I make and how I go about making them. And that's really the takeaway I want people to come away with is, is just the thought process, how you get to that point where you say, you know what, I'm going to buy this stock or, you know what, I'm done with the stock, i got to get out of it, i got to sell it and bank some profit or the loss is too much, i got to cover my loss there. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to walk you through today some of my most recent decisions. These go back to October. And October, if we remember, was a bit of a crazy month. It's historically usually one of the more volatile months in the year. Um, we've had some of the most iconic and epic stock market meltdowns take place in October. We know the 29 crash, the 87 crash, um, even the 2007, 2008 uh, financial crisis really hit their apex um, in October. And going into this current uh, month, um, there was a lot of signs where things were just, people were feeling really uneasy. Um, you look at some of the technical indicators in the market, like for example, the S&P 500 index, it um, was at one point closing below its 200 uh, 
fell through its 200-day moving average, which literally hasn't happened in, in years. Um, we're in an environment where interest rates are tracking up and, and central banks are actively being very vocal about increasing interest rates, which is historically not great for stock prices. Um, we have a U.S. president who has been doing a lot of trash talking with countries, more specifically with China, uh, Canada at the time. Um, and so people are getting nervous. People were getting nervous. And in October, the markets were, were kind of trending downward. And, uh, but it wasn't like an epic kind of like meltdown like historically we've seen, but we've seen, we saw like, you know, three, four percent uh, pullbacks. Um, then we got to uh, a couple of days in October where the market just really had a fit. And you, if you flicked on the TV or picked up the paper or go on the internet, you would have seen terms like with the stock market, crisis, turmoil. Um, when you really look at it from a historical perspective, um, market was really didn't really do much you know a two three percent fall is not like a crash and I think we've kind of lost a lot of that re historical perspective when we look at um, stocks um, what's key though is kind of how we behave during these kind of periods of stress in the markets like the you know as human beings we're, our, our immediate reaction is to is to do something and anything um, to deal with uh, a stressful situation. Um, stocks are no different. Um, so what's critical, I think, when I look back at how I dealt with what was going on in the market, I think one of the key things that comes out, and usually every time these things happen, is I just can't, it just, it stresses to me, it reinforces to me the importance of having some kind of plan, some kind of playbook um, that you're going to frame your investment decisions around. Um, I found when things were going on in October, I checked in on my playbook a couple of times and just to kind of reinforce and reset, what are my priorities, what are my goals, how am I going to execute my investment decisions? Um, it forced me to go look at my wish list of companies that I own right now or want to own and see if there's any opportunities to add to my portfolio. Um, so I view these kind of market pullbacks as opportunities to, to build a portfolio and to make up and to strengthen a portfolio. Um, and that's how I, I've I set up my personal investment um, playbook. Um, it's during these type of moments, the last thing I need to be doing is figuring out what to do. I shouldn't be panicking. I shouldn't be reacting what to the market is. I should be ready to go. I should be ready to execute my, my strategy and execute my playbook. Um, and so I found that was really helpful in how I made the decisions that I did and the decisions I'm going to share with you um, with wha what I did. So the reality is in the month, like stocks were falling, stock prices were falling, and stock prices were falling in my personal portfolios, they were falling, and uh, they were falling to a point where I thought, you know what, maybe a great opportunity to buy more shares. Um, so I was thinking about buying shares. I wasn't thinking of getting out of stocks. I was thinking of get, adding more stocks to my portfolio. Because ultimately, the best times to buy stocks are when they're cheap. And when are they cheap? They're cheap when usually when the market's going down. But unfortunately, we're wired to think that we should be buying stocks when there's a bull market. When stock prices are going up and up, those are the times you want to buy stocks. Well, historically, that's kind of the opposite way to, to approach it. 
So a lot of decisions that I made were really around adding to my current positions. And there was a couple of decisions that I made to um, buy new shares, add new uh, stocks to my portfolio. So I'm gonna walk you through really what those decisions were and give you a flavor and a taste and a, hopefully some insight into how I went about making these decisions. So I'll just, I'm just gonna go down my list here. So the first decision I made was I bought more shares in Las Vegas Sands, ticker symbol LVS. I originally bought the stock at $61 and during the month the stock fell all the way down to almost $53. So to me, I took a look at the business. Is there anything negatively happening bad about the business? I think a lot of the reason why the stock fell was a lot because of the Macau China angle with all the trash talking that was going on between the US and China. I think uh, China-based stocks were taking a hit and sort of Las Vegas Sands where more than half their revenues comes from the Macau area casinos um, took a hit and so did the other casinos. Uh, gaming companies also took a bit of a hit. So, but the numbers, when I looked at the numbers about how the sales numbers are, are trending from Macau, they seem to be pretty decent. They seem to be, there's nothing like, like, like a meltdown going on. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna just add more shares. So I bought some more shares and now I took my cost base down from 61 to, to 58. So that was my decision um, on that one. <clears throat> Next decision I made, and this is kind of a, a tricky one that I made was I bought more shares in uh, Activision Blizzard, ticker symbol ATVI. Um, gaming stocks or video game stocks were taking a bit of a hit in October. Um, there was at one point um, Activision, uh, there was one day it fell like as much as 7%. And uh, I was kind of like, okay, what, what, what happened? Like, why, are the, why did it go down 7%? And the only thing I could find was they had just released their latest uh, version of Black Ops. And apparently over a one weekend cycle, they did over 500 million in sales. And I was like, I couldn't, like, you couldn't believe it because like movies, if you go to like regular movies, cinema movies, they don't even make, they didn't even make like a 10th of that. Um, and these guys are like doing, and it's not common, and that's something that's kind of what Drew has drawn me to this whole video game space is it's like stupid money being generated um, in video games. And uh, and so at the time, I was going, wow, this company's at 500 million in sales, and the stock dropped. Um, a lot of people were speculating, again, the China play in terms of the Chinese government was talking about putting more restrictions on video games. And so I think a lot of people got kind of picked off or kind of ticked off by it. Um, so the stock went down. Um, my initial cost base was uh, is about was $75 and the stock went down to as low as about $67. And so I thought, you know what? I thought this was a good opportunity to buy more shares, lower my cost base down. So I ended up buying some more and it took my cost base down to $72. So that was what I did in October. Now I kind of want to update this because sure enough after I did this um, and then we got into November a few weeks ago I made a decision to sell <laughs> Activision if you believe that. Now you're probably thinking for those of regular listeners and uh, readers of my blog 
you'll know that I've been kind of slowly building up my space, uh, position in Activision. I, uh, if you could check out my website, I did a, a mind map video on it. I thought Activision was probably one of the better positioned gaming companies out there. So I sold it. <laughs> and you're probably going, what? <laughs> how, like, how do you do that? Like, why, do you, why did you sell? And honestly, the, what happened was after October, when we got into November, the stock fell even further. As I said, I, I bought in around 67. The stock kept falling. It went down to as low as $54 a share. And the company reported earnings. They were okay. There was nothing really bad about them. Um, again, the market has their own expectations. Analysts have their own expectations. But sure enough, the stock got schmucked. It went down to about $54. So at that point, my cost, my, I was losing, my loss position was about 25%. And so really what it came down to was pure math. For me to break even on Activision, the stock would have had to go up by about 30%. And given the sentiment that was around Activision and the sentiment overall around gaming stocks, um, video game stocks like Electronic Arts, which I'm going to talk about, um, take two, all these stocks were just falling in October, dropping um, like a stone. And uh, I just looked at it and I go, just purely on a math basis, I just don't think I have to sell the stock. And again, bringing this back to my playbook, one of my things that I have in my playbook is how to manage losses. And that's a great thing I, I love about having a playbook is investing playbook is it tells you not just about how you make decisions to make money to grow your savings but it also makes decisions how to manage decisions to um, protect your money um, preserve your savings and so one of my um, plays <laughs> in my playbook is any stock that I own where I've lost where I'm down over 20% on it I sell it no matter what even if I love the company I'm selling it because purely on a math mathematical sense, it's really hard to recover. And once you get, if you let your losses grow and grow and grow, it's really, really hard. And it's just basic math that tells you that. So I was down 20%. If I'm, if you're down 20%, you need the stock to go up 25% to break even. If you're down 25, you need it to go up 30 to break even. If the stock goes down 50%, you need to double your money just to break even, not even to make money, just to get back to zero. So it's really hard to do that. And it's, we're as investors, we're not wired to make that kind of decision. That's why having that playbook on, like, written out on a piece of paper um, is really, really powerful because it forces you to just act on those decisions. So, um, so yeah, the thing is, I like the company. There's, that's the thing. It's not like I think the company is a piece of garbage now. I still like the company. I like their business model. I still think they're kind of best in breed in the whole esports space, but I'm I need to protect my savings, and so I was down 25%. I needed to protect it, so I took the loss. So I took the loss on it. It sucks, but and that's the thing about investing is you're going to make decisions that aren't going to work out, even if you've done all the work and the numbers look perfect. You're going to make bad decisions. It's just not going to work out, and so you have to have that ability to just take the emotion out of the decision and just say, you know what, I'm done with it. I'm done with it for now. So my attitude is I'm done with it for now. And if the stock falls further, um, 
I'm, I'm going to revisit it. So I've put it on my wish list, on my watch list, and uh, if the stock were to, I'm going to keep an eye on it. And if the stock keeps going down, then, uh, then you know what? Um, it might be a better valuation, and you know I wouldn't hesitate to jump back in. Um, you got to do your homework, do your research, make sure you know everything. The fundamentals of the business are still intact um, on that. So, an interesting little journey that I've had with Activision. I bought it. I've been slowly buying it, and then I sold it. Um, so there's there's a lot there to there's a lot to learn from that from that. And the, and the thing about it is my that experience that I had with Activision is something that I'm going to have again and again and again. And that's, again, where you have to have the playbook um, to really have that anchor to help you make those decisions. So that was Activision. Next, um, next one on my list that I made, decision that I made, was I bought more shares of the, uh, the iShares uh, US Financials ETF, ticker symbol XLF. Again, um, the ETF was down. Um, I was kind of break even at that point, and I just said, you know what, it's a great time for me to buy more stock in it, and so just buying shares at a cheaper price it gave me that gives me that instant exposure to the to the U.S. financial market, financial stocks, bank stocks, info broker stocks. So that was a pretty easy one there. Um, then I ended up also buying more shares in Nutrien ticker symbol NTR. For those of you following at home. That if you remember Potash Corporation and Agrium, um, those two companies uh, merged and they formed a new company called Nutrien. Um, this is a stock I've been actually doing well in. I've had a pretty good solid position. I got a pretty solid position in there because I wanted to have a really agriculture exposure in my portfolio. And uh, I was more than satisfied to just kind of ride the position, but um, during the month, it pulled back. It went down as low as uh, in the mid-60s, and my cost base at the time was about 68, I think, 68. Um, but I decided to buy some more. I bought a little bit more, basically because companies got a, it's kind of a, on a bit of a roll right now. They've, um, they've, the stock's been kind of depressed in a sense that because potash prices have been kind of depressed, but... Um, it looks like potash prices have, are, are on their way up, and the last few contracts the company has done with uh, India and China have led to higher yields, and uh, that's good news for potash prices in the long term, and chances are um, Nutrien is going to definitely benefit from it. So it's a stock uh, that I thought, you know what, I'm just going to buy some more shares of it, even if it takes my cost base up. Um, I think the long term position of the company is still really solid. So um, sure enough, I bought some more shares. It took my cost base up to about $66. And sure enough, not too far after I did that, stock popped back up to $75. So I managed to make a few more dollars in my portfolio. So that kind of worked out. So that was my uh, Nutrien. I uh, bought some more shares in Nutrien. Um, next one, uh, I bought some more shares in Winpack, ticker symbol WPK. This is the packaging company here, a uh, Canadian packaging company. Um, stock was down about 5%. They reported their earnings. wasn't too inspiring. market didn't really like it that much. Um, but this is Winpack. And for those of you who have taken my everyday investing course, uh, you will know very well a lot about Winpack because that's the company I use in uh, the various modules as kind of our case uh, example to do uh, a lot of the analysis, um, practice learning a lot of the analysis. And uh, 
So stock was down 5% during the month at one point. Um, but when I look at the fundamentals, the business, the balance sheets continues to be rock solid. Um, and so I thought, you know what? Hey, opportunity to buy some more. Um, I had a very small position in it and I just used the pullback to, uh, to buy some more, um, buy more shares. It wouldn't surprise me if the stock fell even a bit more further in the future because if the economy slows down, then you know demand for packaged goods and stuff like that, packaging the material will probably fall. But the thing I love about Winpack, it's one of my quote unquote favorite stocks in the sense that um, this is a company and a management team that has really demonstrated a, an ability to create tangible wealth in good and bad markets. So even if the economy tanks a bit, um, this company has demonstrated that it can be nicely profitable in good and in bad times. And so I figure with the stock down, it's a good opportunity to add some more shares to it. So I bought some more shares of Winpack. Finally, I'm going to talk about a couple of new positions that I added to it. And I'm going to look at it from a little, a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I bought some shares. Okay, the first one I did was I decided to buy some shares in a, an ETF that invests in German stocks, more specifically the iShares German equity ETF, ticker symbol EWG. Um, now, I'm not going to get into my th analysis of how I came to this decision to buy this particular ETF. I've actually created a separate video, and I'm actually going to do a separate podcast episode uh, of my analysis of EWG, and I'm going to post that in the not-too-distant fu future, so be on the lookout for that. But what I'm going to, basically one of the reasons why I even considered I wanted to get exposure to the German equity market or German stock market is so far this year, um, one of the worst performing markets in the world has been the German stock market. It's been down over 15% this year, year to date. And to me, I thought that was really interesting because Germany, the German economy is one of the engines of global growth. And... Um, you know, you got America, you got China, you got Japan. Germany is right there, and especially when you look at Europe, Germany is the engine of European growth. Um, so, with the stock market down, German German stocks down almost fifteen percent. I thought, you know what, this might be a really great opportunity to build a really small position um, in German stocks. Now, I know nothing about German stocks. Um, you know, I know the companies, your BMWs, Mercedes, Daimler, um, Siemens, SAP. Um, but I just didn't have, I don't have time right now to go figure out which companies, which German stocks I want to have in my portfolio. So I said, you know what, I'd just rather own a basket of them. And so I ended up uh, picking up one of the, uh, one of, uh, a German ETF. So as I said, um, I've actually put together a, a mind map video on how I made the decision to buy um, the EWG. So check that out on my website. Um, you get a little bit of better uh, breakdown of how I figured out which ETF I wanted to buy. Finally, my last new decision, that new company that I added, or new stock that I added to my portfolio was Electronic Arts, ticker symbol EA. They are a video game maker. And after, which is probably really interesting you're saying because Amin, you just went through a whole analysis of Activision Blizzard and you ended up selling it. So then you ended up buying EA. So like, what's going on here? Um, as I said, video game stocks really took it in the pants 
in October, um, EA was down almost 30%. Um, and the, there's nothing wrong with the business. The business is solid. Um, in fact, I thought, if you know, I've done a couple, I did a mind map video on, uh, on Electronic Arts a while ago. So if you go on my website, you can check out a more detailed analysis that I went through. And when I did that analysis, um, the stock was at about $130 a share. And I liked the company, and I thought financially it's in a very strong position. I thought it was actually a better, better position than Activision, um, but I just thought the stock at, at $130 was, was just really expensive. And so at the time in October, as I said, gaming stocks were, were tanking, and so EA went just below 100 bucks, And so you know it fell over 30%. Fundamentally, I didn't see anything wrong with the business. The company's just chumming along, chunk, uh, cranking along pretty nicely. Um, so I thought, hey, this might be a really good entry point to to buy more shares. So I bought it at 99, and sure enough, a few days after I did that, it went as low as 89 because I said the gaming stocks just were getting thrown out like crazy, and and I bought some more so to average down my shares. So now my cost base is like about 93 dollars uh, on that, and. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, as I said, I bought Activision. I was building it out Activision, and then, you know, then it just kept going down and down and down. Um, so I'm I'm perfectly under a comfortable understanding of the fact that you know what the stock probably might fall further. There might be a lot more downside, and if there is, I'll just buy some more shares. Um, again, if the fundamentals of the business are solid, then you know it's an opportunity to buy more stock at a cheaper price, lower my cost position. Um, from that side of it. So those are my decisions that I made in October. And uh, so it was a pretty busy month. And and it was a very volatile and a very kind of tough month. It was a stressful month in the markets. And uh, but I I made these decisions. And these are decisions I made. And as you can see, there I didn't sell. I sold, I sold Activision. Um, that was a decision uh, there. But everything else I was buying, I was buying more shares. And I think part, a lot of why I was able to do that was, again, I bring it back to having that plan, having that playbook beside you um, to make the, make the decisions. Like, I don't think I would have, you know, been able to make these kind of decisions if I didn't have some kind of anchor or some kind of reference point to look at. And so that's really my takeaway here. And hopefully your takeaway from it is just having that importance of having an investing playbook. It's just really critical to have these kind of have that kind of resource or reference or cheat sheet, whatever the heck you want to call it, besides you, especially during times where emotions can come in and kind of screw with your mind and screw with your ability to make sound investment decisions. So if you don't have a playbook, um, get one, make one. Uh, make one yourself or you know, if you're working with a financial advisor, they can make one up for you. They can make a financial plan for you. You can work with them. Um, as I said, I'm an investment coach. I teach people. I, I, I develop playbooks for people. Um, so if you're interested, you can reach out to me on my website, sageinvestors.ca, and just send me an email and want to talk about playbooks. And uh, I'll be happy to reach out to you and we can chat about it. Um, if you want to get some more information about you know courses that I teach, um, if you have questions about this podcast, or any of my other podcasts or any of our uh, blogs that I've written, um, feel free to reach out to me at 
through my website, sageinvestors.ca. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Sage Investors. I'm on there pretty much all the time, tweeting, sharing, uh, interesting insights and perspectives about what's going on in the markets. As I said, all the stuff I talked to you today, I tweet that stuff out in real time. So if you follow me and, and go hashtag trades2018, you can see all my trades or all my investment decisions in real time, which I think is kind of cool. And actually, it's kind of scary because I've people tell me that they actually followed me follow my hashtag, which was quite surprising. I didn't think there was that many people who do it, but apparently there's a lot of people that are doing it. Um, so you can check me out there. You can find me on Facebook. I have a uh, Facebook page, Sage Investors. And you can find me on Instagram. I will throw out the occasional video, um, a couple of little snapshots, some charts and stuff like that. You can find me through my uh, Instagram handle, uh, Sage Investors Nation. Uh, for those of you who are also interested, I do send out a weekly email called In The Loop where I share with you uh, any new postings that I put on my website, blogs, podcasts, episodes, videos. You can follow me through there so you can kind of stay current with what I'm thinking about, what I'm looking at. I also share some different uh, articles and charts that I'm kind of looking at from my own personal perspective. Um, and some, you know, some some quick market, uh, stock market indicators, uh, technical indicators, uh, sentiment indicators, in a nice little dashboardy kind of format, uh, quick and dirty kind of stuff. So if you're interested in that stuff, you can just register on my website. Uh, just drop your email and uh, email address, and you're in. I usually send them out every Wednesday morning. So that's all I got for you this week. Um, thanks for listening in. As you can see, uh, all my episodes, you can find them on my website, sageinvestors.ca, or you can go to Apple Podcasts on iTunes and subscribe to my podcast. Uh, leave a comment, leave a review. Be happy to hear um, some feedback about it. So thanks again for listening in. This has been another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amon Reina of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye.